I think there's going to be some disagreement between us on this one. Put your gloves on. Let's have a fight. Maybe, maybe we'll be surprised and we're not as in disagreement as it seems. But initially it seems like Adam thinks it's bullshit. And I, I see some merit to it. And maybe we'll suss that out. What's bullshit, Blair? Today we're talking about mindful and intuitive eating. Interesting. Yeah. So what do we deem as mindful and intuitive eating? To me, these are two different concepts. Um, I think they get used interchangeably, which I believe is incorrect. I think there is some bullshit to these concepts, So, but I, I think there's merit to them when done correctly. Mindful eating is placing conscious attention to your eating habits as opposed to mindless eating, which is what most average consumers do. They eat watching TV. They eat at their desk while they're working. They don't really think about the purpose behind their foods. Um, so I think there are mindful practices that can be done. Intuitive eating is a philosophy that makes you the expert of your body and its hunger signals. And I think there is some bullshit behind that, how people utilize it or how easy people make it out to be. Oh, just listen to your body. We'll talk about that. But it's kind of like the anti-diet movement that we have right now is, is largely a, an intuitive eating movement rebranded. Mm. Interesting. So people do talk about mindful, intuitive eating in the same bracket. And um, I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from. But mostly what people are sort of referring to is eating within a calorie range and a sort of macro target without having to count your calories. And so I think it's interesting how people are, are, are really pushing, you know, you can lose weight without tracking. And I'm completely on board with that. I think it's very possible. It's very doable. But what most people tend to not understand is what they were doing before that caused the mistakes to then fix the mistakes afterwards, which is where I think most people go wrong. It's not just sort of like you go to sleep one day and you wake up and you're like, oh, I know when to stop eating. I will now stop eating at this moment in time. I will now lose weight. It, it doesn't happen like that. And I think that's how the dream is sort of sold. And so that's partially where I think it's bullshit. Yeah. So where I think it's bullshit, one, I think mindfulness is something, mindful eating is something you can start tomorrow. You can, you can just, if with the right understanding of what that means, you can be mindful about your eating decisions right now, the next meal you eat, tomorrow morning, whatever. Intuitive eating, one, is transient. And what I mean by that is intuition can change. If you're broke, you will eat intuitively to save money. It has nothing to do with nutrition, fitness, weight loss, anything. It is economically based. I've mentioned in other episodes, I used to be morbidly obese. My intuition was to remain morbidly obese. I did not, if I ate how I wanted to or I was being told to by my hunger signals and hormone signals and that kind of stuff, I would still be massively overweight. I think it's a process to get to a level of intuitive eating and some people might not ever get there completely, but it's not something where, you know, some fit trainer who's never had a problem with eating in their life can just say, listen to your body. That part I do think is bullshit. Can you be trained to listen to your body better? Yes. Can you 
just listen to your body and eat appropriately? Probably not. I disagree there. I think a trainer who hasn't had any weight problems can be a mindful and intuitive eater because that person ha- can maintain their weight all their life like they already have done. And so that person, I don't, I don't think you have to have been through some form of a weight struggle to understand mindful and intuitive eating. I think you just... No, not so, what I said. Sorry, uh, my mistake. I'm, I'm, I'm saying like a trainer who can't tell people to listen to their body if they've never understood someone who doesn't know, like their body is misleading them to weight gain. Okay, like I'm that. on board with that. Yeah, simply saying like, oh, just listen to your body. Yes, you've been able to as someone who has been relatively fit and raised in a house where you weren't forced to clean your plate and you were provided mostly whole foods your whole life. Never struck, you know, your parents never brought fast food into the house. And so ultimately my point is... I had a lot of fast foods. <laughs> and I'm sure intuitive eating was a tough get for you. I think the hyper palatable foods that have been introduced to us, fast food, processed foods, etc., have massively disrupted the ability to just eat intuitively. Do you know where I think it's bullshit? It's bullshit that people are teaching the average Joe who's a beginner that they can do it. I don't think it's possible to be an intuitive eater unless you've got years and years of experience and understanding of what you're doing. So it's bullshit to teach. See, this is why I said we might not disagree because <laughs> I think I agree entirely. Yeah, you know? so it is doable. It's not something you just jump into, though. No, exactly. It's like saying, oh, I can sleep eight hours without an alarm. You've got to fucking train yourself to do that. You don't just don't turn your alarm on and expect to wake up eight hours later. You have to train yourself to be able to sleep at a certain time, wake up at a certain time. And after a couple years, your body will turn around and say, okay, we can do this now. It's It's a form of habit. With that analogy, you set an alarm to wake up at 6.30 every morning for five, ten years, and then your body naturally wakes up at the time your alarm would go off regardless. I actually tend to wake up five minutes before the alarm goes off at 6.30 most mornings. I don't. I have to put ten alarms on. My girlfriend gets annoyed because it's like I get up to go to the bathroom and she looks and it's like the alarm hasn't gone off yet, you know. (laughs) And I think that's how mindfulness is the road to intuitive eating. If you practice mindful steps and mindfulness in your eating journey, knowing what that is first, you know, it's, there's a bunch of ways to be mindful when we can dive into some of those strategies in a minute, but it, without mindfulness, there will never be intuition. Sure. I get intuition. that. But then the context that's missing is time frame. So someone listening to this, who's in their first year of training, if someone doesn't explain time frames to them, they'll be like, Oh, that could be me this year. And so that's where I think, the bullshit comes in is that people don't put context around these things and most people who do intuitively eat they don't tell someone how long they've mindfully been eating first in the first place you know it's not been 20 plus years and i even still think there's some times where it might not ever happen you know there is no i'm fixed i i never binge i never eat something i shouldn't i never you know there, that doesn't exist you know there's times where i eat two-thirds of a pizza because it's delicious and I don't stop myself and then I feel bloated and gross. Mm -hmm. It it happens less often than ever before, but it still happens. I can eat an entire bag of almonds before I've realized I've eaten a serving of almonds. And when you listen to someone who preaches listen to your body intuition without training, almonds are healthy. They're a whole food, so I should have an intuition. But they're very high-calorie. 
and there's something that I can eat. I mean, you give me some habanero barbecue almonds, I will crush an eight ounce tin, which is eight servings and almost 1600 calories. I won't even tell you what my brother did yesterday. Oh my God. Right. (laughs) It's always, I don't think you can remove the struggle, but you can make the struggle less arduous. Mm. with intuitive eating and, and mindfulness and that journey. But it is a long journey. It is not something that you can just say. I think the same is true with training. You can't say like, oh, your body will know how to move through space. You need to just listen to your body for its aches and pains. Most people make injuries worse by training through injuries that they don't listen to because they don't know how to. My body was speaking Greek and I don't fucking speak Greek, so I can't listen to it. Maybe it's saying something, but I don't understand. You know, so... I think that's the problem with this simplifying something like intuition and not approaching it from the standpoint of it's something that needs to be trained and understood. We can remove intuition by forcing our kids to eat what we think they should eat as opposed to what they would intuit. Most kids have intuitive eating and we take it away from them. Right. We can remove intuition by skipping breakfast for whatever reason. I'm busy. I'm trying intermittent fasting, et cetera. If I – call you every weekend to grab drinks and you always say no, eventually I stop calling, which is what our hunger cues can do. My body's not going to waste energy into releasing hormones to tell me I'm hungry if every time it does it, I don't respond. Eventually it's like, well, this is a fucking waste of time, so now you're not hungry in the morning anymore. That hurts. You'd stop calling me. Yeah, if you always said no, bro. That's a dick move, that. (laughs) Yeah, quit saying no, son of a bitch. (laughs) I think... um a part that we've missed here is what most people don't look at themselves if they are the person who wants to become the intuitive eater the biggest part that most people struggle with is it's hard to achieve that if you don't have a good relationship with your food in the first place and how you look Mm -hmm. at food because how you look at food is going to sort of deem how you interact with food which will eventually be your subconscious way of eating yes and and i think it can go both directions you know we typically look at it from the standpoint of most people tend to overeat which is why we have obesity epidemics i think for a while uh uk and us were going back and forth in a slugfest for who is the fattest country per capita but i'm pretty sure us is on top right you now, guys so. are definitely winning that <laughs> it's it was it's closer than you think man no i, I, I mean the, look at the history some of the videos the I've seen of, of some of the sizes of people in your country. But it's per capita, so it's number of people <laughs> divided by total tonnage. No, no, no. We're just oh, looking we're, at we're, how we're many definitely, people. <laughs> we're definitely total tonnage. There's no de- – I mean there's just too many people here. But it could also happen the other direction with being underfed, you know, jumping into calorie counting without knowing how to use calorie counting. I think most of these apps underfeed people. It makes especially women terrified of eating anything that they shouldn't and staying under a certain calorie goal. And so by chronically under eating, our intuition would underfeed us because of a fear of gaining weight or eating too much or not, you know, going off script. And I've experienced it when I was, you know, obsessed with losing weight and getting lean and having abs. For a while, if I ate intuitively, I would probably only eat about 1,800 calories a day, which is way too low for me. Get busy. Don't pay attention. Don't set a timer. Don't have a mindfulness towards when and how often to eat. And, I mean, even a lot of men will undereat with how 
mindless we've become, we can either overeat or undereat. And very rarely do people just naturally eat the amount of food that they should eat without training. Sure, but a, a big part, again, that I think is missing is when we are changing how much we're eating, even if it was intuitively, what doesn't change is everything else in your life. So people don't choose to, or people don't intentionally change their food choices when there's drastic changes in their life, or you shouldn't be, you know, you just kind of adapt into the situation. But people who can intuitively maintain what they're looking for, like whether it's a little bit of mass, uh, muscle mass, or whether it's a little bit of um, fat loss or whatnot, usually the case is that everything in their life is pretty consistent. So therefore, when they change that little bit of food, they can see a consistent level of result because that's the only variable that's changing. Whereas some people will change how much they're eating, but they don't even have a consistent amount of steps that they walk on in a week or how much, how many times they go to the gym or how many times they're, or how many meals they're eating in a day, you know, like, or where they're eating from. So, or where they're going to be in the country, you know. So there's so many variables that I think people don't look at and i think that also will in fact affect people's intuitive eating if you look at most intuitive eaters they actually have a very very similar pattern seven days a week and so that's why they can also do it often with clients the first thing we work on is consistency of consumption so you cannot be most people try to skip the step of foundation and just go straight from chaos to weight loss I cannot expect someone to cook meals, cooking, cooking lean, cooking for weight loss, cooking within a certain calorie range or macro breakdown is an art. So to make something taste good and fit a certain macro distribution is more difficult than just cooking consistently. So I will not work with clients to lose weight and eat consistently to do so if they are not simply eating consistently. I will not work with clients to cook lean and to lose weight if they can't simply cook consistently. Hmm. We, we see the other side of what Adam was just talking about where people tie intuitive eating and fitness too closely together. When they lose one, whether it's a pandemic or an injury, eating also goes out the window. They're so intertwined that they, they can't eat well without also working out and often – if we lose exercise, we want to be more diligent about eating well. They get so intertwined. The mindful step, the, and this is where I think mindfulness is probably one of the most powerful tools we have. It can be really little things. Getting a serving out of the box and putting it in a bowl and eating it somewhere else as opposed to just eating out of the box. I do not put limits on how many servings I can have or what the serving actually is. Whether you want it to be intuitive about the size that you grab in a handful or measured the amount that you put on the scale and the box says is one serving, you get that one serving in a bowl and you leave. If you want another serving, you go back to the kitchen, you get out the box, you put the bowl down, you get another serving, close the box, put it away. You've created steps between you and a second serving, regardless of what that serving is measured as. Whereas I can eat a whole box of Cheez-Its sitting on the couch watching TV without thinking about it. I mindlessly crushed eight servings of Cheez-Its. I mindfully 
will start to question my sanity if I walk into the kitchen an eighth time to get another serving of Cheez-Its. And something as simple as that, I think people undervalue or don't even, I mean, mindlessness in and of itself is the absence of thought. They don't Mm. even think about it or put attention to some kind of parameter. It's not a limitation on how much you can eat. It's just a limitation on your access to it immediately. And some, so I used to tell clients, you know, if you have no self-control, don't buy it. Or if you have to, it's okay to spend more money to have less. But people are like, no, I want to buy more for, for cheaper. But if that's affecting, you know, your self-control and your weight, then you don't, you don't need to buy that. So if, for example, my clients have no self-control with chocolate... I'm like, don't buy it in. If you want a chocolate bar, you have to go to the shop and you have to go buy one of those small little bars, which might cost double the price of a big bar, but then you're only having that one because you paid more for it. And so therefore, you know, you don't have another two, three uh, bars at home. You go and spend a little bit more on that one bar and then you won't have any more. And also, you know, you're spending more and you don't want to spend more. I'm glad you clarified. At first, I was like, I totally disagree. I And let me clarify my point. If you like something but feel you don't have self-control with it, aversion does not teach anything. I like the point that you clarified. If you want a chocolate bar, you go to the store and get a single chocolate. It's not no chocolate. It's don't buy it at Costco or Sam's and yeah. have a pallet of it in the house. Because 100%. Ultimately, if you want a better relationship with food – it is working on the relationship. Aversion is not resolve. If you eliminate something, you wind up wanting it more. You break down. You overconsume. You feel guilty, and mm-hmm. you repeat the cycle. Whereas, and- you know, it might take six bags of chips to get to a point where you can have a serving at a time over a week. But if you don't practice that, you will always be a slave to eating a whole bag of chips the second they enter the house. And that's why I do it the way I do it because what it teaches people is – you can have that one bar and be satisfied. And guess what? You're not craving. You didn't have to have the whole bar and you still felt satisfied. And so, yeah, you spent. And also people do have, whether they like it or not, everyone's always thinking about their finances. And so when you are spending more, I had a, uh, had a similar situation. I used to work in a bar many, many years ago. And this guy used to come to the bar every single day and he would drink about six pints of beer and just sit on his own. And I, I one day I just turned around and I was like, how come you come in every single day? And he explained that he had like therapy and all this. And his therapist basically said, I don't want you to buy a massive crate of beer for cheaper and sit at home drinking it because you'll drink double, triple, quadruple the amount. So if you go to a bar and just drink your six pints, you're spending way more and also you're drinking way less. And so mm-hmm. the logic was you're actually, you know, you're stopping yourself, putting yourself in an early grave by doing so. And very similar sort of mindset with sort of like chocolate or food in general, I guess. My dad actually growing up, he lived in Alabama, which is now I think it's dry after until noon on Sunday, but it used to be a dry state on Sundays. And he told me he drank way more on Sundays because he would go Saturday and buy a bunch of beer knowing he couldn't buy it on Sunday if he wanted it. But when he moved to Florida and it was you could buy any day, he drank a lot less because if he wanted a beer on Sunday, he could go get a beer on Sunday. Hmm. Buy 
making it dry, he would buy more and have it on hand and consume it versus having access to it, allowance to it sometimes. And this is, you know, we have another podcast planned to dive deeper into this, but usually and when people say like, oh, I could never buy chips and portion it out, I could never, I could never, even if they think they can practice it, they are not allowing themselves to free fall into the concept of being mindful. They are terrified this is a bad food. I feel guilty. I can't. And then we, I, I actually used to call it the self-fulfilling prophecy of ice cream. I would buy a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I would be afraid of eating an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's. So I would eat an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's to get it out of the house faster, thus creating the behavior that I was afraid of occurring. And now I have three pints of Ben and Jerry's in my freezer that I actually haven't touched in a couple weeks. I mean, we nice. have other things that we've been eating, you know, but when you tell yourself you can't, you should feel guilty or it's not allowed or that you have a bad relationship with it, you don't allow yourself to fully be mindful and practice starting that journey to, towards intuition. Mm. Just like losing weight, you will fail. The scale will go up and down, but it should trend in the right direction. And ultimately, at some point, there will be you know, change doesn't occur in a noticeable fashion. You can't see change happen. I, there was no point where on August 9th of 2014, I decided I was going to eat more vegetables and drink seltzer water. But <laughs> lo and behold, I'm a guy who drinks seltzer water and eats tons of vegetables. You know, it happens slowly over time. I would eat Brussels sprouts with bacon and brown sugar on them. And then I would eat Brussels sprouts cooked in just bacon and garlic. And then now I will eat them with just olive oil roasted with, with some garlic and salt. If you don't like veggies, find a way that you do like them. Ex expose yourself to them. See that change happen slowly. You are mindfully eating veggies knowing I'm not going to eat steamed Brussels sprouts. That's gross, by the way. I'm going to have them with bacon and brown sugar. Now I like Brussels sprouts so I can have them with less seasoning and just olive oil. You know, So it's, it's a gradual process. Mindfulness leads to intuition and change slowly over time. It yeah. can't be forced. It has to just happen we've all been there by the way like we're not talking out, out out of our asses and been like we're telling you guys without having experienced this ourselves because we have like i i never used to like broccoli to be fair i never used to like veg and so that i still to this day cannot stand steamed veg i just don't like it like soft Gross. and so like but what i found is specifically i, I didn't like broccoli and so what I do is I do like broccoli when it's the stems and it's fried because it's quite crispy and so like and crunchy and I quite like the texture of crunchy and so that works for me and so everyone's um, got their own I, I found something that works for me and so now I can have veg in a way that I'm like you know what I actually quite like it I'm not like oh my god I want this every day but I'm like I could have this a few times a week and I'm not gonna be like oh I don't want any more and same way you know we have cereal most days of the week you're not like craving it but you're like you know what it, it will get me through the day same way I feel about veg now I'm like I'm not dreading it and I can have it and it's taken time and self-awareness to recognize if I don't like one way of it how do I find another way that you know does suit me and so many people go oh I've tried everything I've tried everything but what I tend to find is most people have tried everything that they know and aware of but 
that doesn't mean you've tried everything. You only know what you know, so you've only tried what you know. We can try something once it's not good and decide we don't like it. I have gotten a lot of people to like Brussels sprouts because of the way I cook them as opposed to, no, Brussels sprouts are gross. Well, let's no, see if you not. can do you that for me. Gross. Yeah, I will give you a good recipe. <laughs> and I mentioned like calorie. Tra- I count calories. I'm pretty sure Adam does too. No. No? No, actually? Okay, wow. Which, and I think a lot of times we, it's pitched that counting calories is the antithesis of intuition or the anti-diet. Calorie counting is a diet. And I disagree. Ideally, yeah, you know, some people don't like counting calories. Maybe it's because they don't like to be a slave to an app or it's frustrating or they've been underfed and they don't see the results that MyFitnessPal promises them. But I, I use calorie counting as a food freedom and mindfulness practice. And what I mean by that is our beliefs about food can teach us that we can't have it. We need to feel guilty around it or it's going to cause us to gain weight. Mm. And we got some baklava for Christmas as a gift. And if you look at baklava, it's so rich. It's nuts and honey and it's bread and blah, blah. And you look at it and immediately my mind would say like, well, I can't have that on a weight loss diet. But when I looked up baklava and weighed it, each piece was 25 grams, which was 107 calories. That is way less than I would have in, intuitively or my belief structure would have told me that a, a you know, triangle of baklava was worth. But that's education. So 100 grams of baklava was 428 calories. If I have 100, 100 grams of baklava is a lot. Like that, <laughs> that's rich. You know, but – I, if I get my protein in early, if I'm protein focused for breakfast, lunch, dinner, count, I, I count all three meals the night before. So I know I have a plan. I'm mindful about what I'll be eating for my three main courses. I hit my protein goals. I can have ice cream or a big bag of popcorn that's not on, you know, it doesn't have to be one of these pre-selected foods that will help me lose weight. And I think we can create fears because we think a way about a food and we don't actually know how it can, a proper portion can fit into our budget. And so over time, maybe that can lead to not counting at all and just having an understanding of what a proper portion is. Sure. You know, so that's, I, I would say I use calorie counting as a safety net okay. below the free fall. I guess from the reverse standpoint of someone who doesn't count, the way I see it is my life is pretty consistent. I go to the gym seven, the same days to work. I'm home every weekend. I pretty much have very similar foods most days of the week. I, I, pretty much seven days a week, I'm always eating at least chicken somewhere in the day. And so I know I'm having very similar foods. I may have a different lunch or a different breakfast or a different dinner, but like usually there's some level of consistency like one of those meals is the same every single day and so if i feel i'm going off track i can kind of tell because my clothes fit a bit differently and so all i do is i just rein in how much i'm eating and i just increase my movement over the day so what i'll do is i'll just do an extra hours of walking for a couple of uh, every day you know in between gaps and whatnot where i would have been eating i'm now moving and then I tend to find my weight sort of balances back out. And I tend to find my mo- my weight is usually highest when um, and I'm drinking because I hold a lot of water retention. And I have to be okay with that because that's the life I want to live. And I socialize and I'm going to find myself a little bit bloated because of it. And then when I find I'm not drinking, 
I find my body's back to you know a pretty good self and I'm like you know I'm pretty happy with it but I'm willing to be a bit bloated to have a social life and enjoy myself with other people you know I'm not solely strict on you know I have to look like something all year round and so intuitively I I just balance things out by I know if I'm gaining a little bit of weight by how my clothes fit I just move more and eat a little bit less and if I'm losing weight which never really happens to be honest I never lose weight unless I'm ill and that's usually muscle that I lose and so therefore I just eat again and I'm fine <laughs> and so Are you taking creatine bro you should be taking creatine I I'm I take it but inconsistently you know oh well that's dumb you wouldn't lose <laughs> muscle if you took creatine damn <laughs> often we want behavior change weight loss etc to be a non-Newtonian fluid, which is a type of substance that the tighter you squeeze it, the firmer it gets. You have a tighter hold on it. And it never works that way. It, it tends to squish through our fingers. Anecdotal, but I've had it work with my clients as well. I was trying to eat intuitively and was gaining weight. I was counting calories at 2,500 calories and was staying the same or gaining weight somehow. I bumped up to 2,700 calories and I've, I eat more food than I was previously. And I have consistently lost about a half pound a week over the past month. Nice. I'm hovering in the 215 range instead of the 220 range. I wasn't counting 2,500 calories consistently. I was counting 2,500 calories and then taking the whole weekend off working for the weekend mentality. Mm. But with 2,700 calories, it's so much food compared to, I mean, it seems only 200 calories, but if I, some days I was only eating 2,000 calories when I was giving myself 2,500. But now I consistently eat all of my calories every day, at least 2,600. And I get to have some candy bars or ice cream or cookies or random treats that are left over from Christmas or fun foods all week long. And because I get to eat more, I don't feel the need to, oh, my God, I get to have these foods that I missed all week long, mm. you know, and that has led to more consistency because I'm practicing mindfulness. I'm making sure I eat the right amount. I am a little less strenuous on how tight everything needs to have an orthorexic tendency where I'm eating perfectly healthy and I'm eating for this goal and I'm cutting out these foods to help lose weight. You know, if I want a glass of whiskey, I have a glass of whiskey. If I want to have open a bottle of wine with a girlfriend, I do that. I count it. I make sure it fits into my budget. I enjoy myself, and I am now losing weight and getting stronger when I was at a dead standstill trying to hold too tight onto my goal, white-knuckling it. And it sucked. I was I was self-sabotaging every weekend because I was too strict. Yeah. And I've used mindfulness to help build a better practice. The goal is to be intuitively eating around 2,700 calories where I cannot count and stick to it. But for now, I got to be mindful. You know, I'm not ready. And that's yeah, fine. Fair. I just want to clarify, by the way, I've not never tracked before. Obviously, I have tracked in the past. And you also have to bear in mind, because of my job, I, I have had other clients track as well because they don't know where their starting point is. And I don't watch them eat 24-7 in a day. And so by me having a look at everyone else's nutrition and I see their portion sizes, I see everything, I get a good idea of what sort of calories are in a base level of food. Obviously, I'm not accurate, but 
I have a good idea for me to go off. And so I, I usually know how many calories I've eaten in a day. And I'm usually spot on, to be honest. Like, And that's why I don't gain or lose weight because I look at people's calories on a daily basis for my job. And I have done it before for myself. And so I have an idea of what I'm doing because I've done it for that many years now. I've not just like never tracked my food and, you know, I'm just able to, you know, guess how many calories are in everything and just never gain or lose weight. Obviously, I've spent the past seven years gaining weight. And so I've not necessarily needed to track. I've just needed to eat more in moderation. And I have done. And so now I'm at a happy weight. I don't gain and I don't lose. And so my goal is very different to Blair's. And so you have to understand we're doing different things because we have different goals to achieve. If I wanted to focus specifically on fat loss and maintain as much muscle as possible, I probably would count calories because I don't want to lose the muscle mass I've spent seven years trying to gain. And so therefore... I'd want a more accurate reading so I can sustain as much of it as possible. I think most people count calories wrong. They are, whether it's from the app or a trainer who doesn't have any business giving calorie goals because they're not as educated nutrition as they should be. I think people are underfed. I also don't really believe in macro counting. I think that's something for elite athletes. Mm -hmm. I give a protein and a calorie goal to my clients. Same. And, Carbs and fat can go on a scale. One can, and it can be day to day, month to month, week to week, whatever it is. But I have no business telling you it's this many grams of fat and this many grams of carbs as long as you're within your budget of calories and protein. Eat what you want, you know, and that's where the freedom comes from. Being underfed, expecting a mathematical goal of X pounds per week, and being told you need to eat X carbs, you know. Maybe there's some adjustments, too many carbs, not enough fat or vice versa, but check out episode six, Calories Are Bullshit. We talk about it in depth there if you haven't listened to that one yet. You can use calorie counting to be more mindful in your intuitive eating journey. You can use tracking in other ways that are not calorie counting to be mindful. You can be mindful without tracking at all, but it does require mindfulness to start the change process. And intuitive eating is achievable. Maybe not total intuition of if you eat this way, you're going to stay exactly this weight and et cetera, et cetera. But you can stay within a weight range without tracking, counting. And, and ultimately, mindfulness practice leads to intuition, which is just mindfulness without as much attention. You, you are so ingrained waking up five minutes before the alarm, you know intuitively – how to be mindful as opposed to having to stop and say, was this mindful or was this mindless? Mm. And, and that's where I see the journey. I think there are different things. I think mindfulness leads to intuition, but I think intuition can be confusing and transient and is something that you might work on for the rest of your life, but it does get easier. Sweet. Should we call it there? I think so. All right. We'll see you guys soon. A healthy debate runs purely on fat and is completely free of banned substances. This episode was edited by Blair Solberger, so if it sucks, blame him. The next episode will be out in a week wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at A Healthy Debate or on YouTube at youtube.com slash at A Healthy Debate.